I'm Kyle. And I'm Jason. And this is Monetize Media. On today's episode, we speak with Kent Oslander, a professional gamer who runs HotRoute.Tips, a Madden Football Tips website that sells eBooks and premium subscriptions. Kent and his co-founder, a popular YouTube gamer named Throne, create deep dive videos and guides for achieving expert success in the popular video game. They leverage their online profiles across Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch to promote their site to hundreds of thousands of followers. Kent is able to use his professional gaming experience to create a product with proven publicly available results. Listen now as Kent dives into rapidly developing his passion into a business, the difficulties of becoming a full-time gamer and being a full-time gamer, maintaining product authenticity and integrity with a discerning audience, and how a payments bug nearly derailed their business in month two. On to the interview. I want to welcome on Kent Oslander of Hot Route Tips. Kent, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I think it's going to be a fun show and I'll try to be as entertaining as I can be. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. Uh, we've been looking forward to this one. So I guess give our audience the origin story of, I guess, both you, you know, as a professional Madden player and now a respected leader in, you know, Madden tips, right? And then also Hot Route Tips itself, you know, give the origin story. Who is it for? How does it make money? How'd you get, grow your audience? So, I mean, starting with Madden, it's a funny story, actually, back in Madden 15. I played Madden growing up a little, but not much at all, especially like from like Madden 10 to 15. I really just didn't play. My little brother gets it for Christmas. He starts playing Ultimate Team, and it was just really cool to me. I like it was a completely different type of Madden. We were talking a little bit before the show about how it's just a completely new game, and Ultimate Team just was really cool. I love card games, like trading card games, growing up, so it really appealed to me, and it kind of just took off from there. Uh, started playing a little bit, kind of grew to playing a lot, and then Madden 16, they came out with the competitive uh, like circuit, and being a like a college basketball player, I love the competing stuff. So I figured I'd give it a shot. Didn't do too well in Madden 16. On Madden 17, it started to be a little bit better. And then Madden 18, I was able to really break onto the scene. I won my first tournament. I mean, that helped me qualify for a few majors. And then that's really how I grew on like the professional side. Kind of went from there. And then I wanted to really monetize when I was kind of popular. So I was having success on the competitive side. I figured the best way to sustain that would be something a little bit Easier, like, because tournaments can kind of fluctuate, right? Maybe sometimes you play well, sometimes you don't. YouTube, Twitch, that was a little bit more stable. I could take my popularity and help grow it. Uh, so I started streaming a lot more, started doing YouTube, and I sold ebooks just like through my Twitch, just kind of like typing them on a Word document. Um, and anyone who bought them, it was like five bucks to subscribe, you would get it. And then I actually got acquainted with Throne, and he helped me start uh, selling ebooks on PayHip. And we were plugging them on our YouTube and we just started crushing it. And it was like, man, we're selling a, a ton of these. Like this could be something big. And there was really like no other YouTubers out there that were really competitive. Like me and Throne are probably two of the better players that are actually doing YouTube at this time. And we're like, we have a market all to ourselves because we can go on YouTube and plug our eBooks. And these guys are coming to watch us play to watch competitive Madden. They can just go perfectly together. So we talked it out. We decided to make a site together. And that's kind of where that came came from was just starting to sell ebooks and just growing from there. And then we we put together the site, kind of similar to a couple other sites, but just what set us apart was the fact that we had popular YouTubes 
that no one really on the competitive side had. So one side you could be a YouTuber, but you didn't really play the game competitively, so you couldn't really offer eBooks. And on the other side, you have a bunch of competitive players, but none of them are really doing YouTube. So we were the only two really at the time doing that. So we were able to kind of grow it from there. Give our audience, I know Throne's big time in the space, but explain, you know, in 10 seconds, uh, Throne to our audience. Yeah, so, I mean, he's a huge Madden YouTuber, um, much bigger than I am. Uh, also a good competitive Madden player. He hasn't really actually competed that often, but, like, when you go into Weekend League, he's getting 23 out of 25 wins, 24 out of 25 wins, like, pretty routinely, which is what most people that come to our site want. They want to have success in Weekend League. They want to make a lot of coins. So seeing him do that makes them want to buy from him. The weekend league aspect of it was such a difference maker in hearing how Madden was played. You know, obviously the, the mutt process and then the competition level of when, when I grew up playing the game, you played your friends. Yeah. And I was big in the dynasty. I love playing the dynasty mode and that was awesome. But now weekend league has taken it to a whole nother level. Thus this unbelievable monetization opportunity that comes along with that and people trying to actively be on a different level of competition, improving their skill set. Before we get to that, though, one of the questions I have to ask you about is the the freak out video that's on YouTube, mm. right? So, yeah, like, like thinking back on on your evolution to where you are now, where do you think that played a role in your popularity, along with your success, but then along with launching Hot Route Tips? Like, how do you think that video kind of fits into the mold of everything? I think it helped my popularity. Um, it helped people know who I am. That was my first major tournament that I was at. Uh, which I think actually kind of led to the blow up but I just didn't really know how to handle myself. Things weren't going my way. Um, I was younger and I let it get away from me, but tell people what happened for those who don't know, like why it's, a yeah. So I was in, um, I was in a game, we were in pool play. So four people per pool I'd won my first game and the second game, if I had won it, I was almost guaranteed to win the pool. So that would give me a buy in the bracket. And so it was essentially a game for $10,000 and things just were not going my way. Like my opponent even told me after the game, like everything was going against me and I got really upset and I, I basically spazzed out on camera <laughs> in front of a bunch of people. YouTube views are in the millions on it. And uh, yeah, so I, it's, it's something I regrets a hard word to say. Um, cause I do think it helped my popularity. Would I do it again? No, but I do think it helped people know who I was cause it was my first major tournament. So people knew my name and I've honestly gotten recognized just on the street from people like, I know who you are. I've seen you before. And I was like, oh, you probably saw my Madden video. <laughs> do you think, yeah, cause I mean, it's amazing when you begin to see, I mean, you're a division one athlete. I mean, that mm -hmm. is, you have to be an unbelievably competitive human being to make it to a division one level. Mm -hmm. I mean, is, is that, I'm imagining, cause I know I can fly off the handle at times too, and I've, I've, I've never played at a D1 level and I'm always super competitive, but yeah, I'm guessing that's where it is. That level of competition just is such a bright fire that like, hey, sometimes when it's not going your way, you go off, like when you're younger. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's that passion for it, for sure. And I think like when you're a basketball player, a football player, whatever that is, you kind of get that stuff out the way as you're getting better and better and better, going through high school, playing travel and AAU basketball, stuff like that. I mean, I guess in a way, even though I was older, this was my first major tournament. This is my, my brand new experience for it. So I didn't act as maturely as I probably would in a basketball game where it wasn't going my way. So that's probably what I would compare it to. It's just like an early, crazy and competitive, high like reward situation. And it just, it got the best of me for sure. But it worked out pretty well though still. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, in the long run, it, all, it was all good. <laughs> So it was clearly a passion project for you. And you talked about making that leap from hobby to a, a business, 
right? Mm. And I think you and Throne coming, it sounds like you and Throne coming together was kind of like the start of that where you guys realized like, hey, we both have a following and a unique expertise here and people want to hear this. So dig into that a little bit deeper. Like when you guys made that decision, how are you thinking about? Is it like, hey, I, we're just going to monetize this on the side. We want to build the process and be really systematic about how we do this. Like you guys have a really unique setup that has gone beyond just like, hey, we have an audience. We're going to sell this for $5. Like dig into that process when you really start hot route tips yeah so when we decided to start the website our goal for it was okay this is how we're gonna make like this is gonna be our job this is gonna be our careers this is the thing that we're gonna use because like i mentioned earlier competitive madden like that can go either way if you don't play good you might make nothing for the year that's not stable youtube twitch more stable but even that like views can fluctuate that, that stuff can come and go with hot route that's something that we felt like we could be stable we could build a yearly audience that people want to get better at the game of Madden because every Madden is different too. So the people that are coming for Madden 20 are going to come for 21. They're going to come for 22 the majority of the time. So we felt like this is how we can turn this into a career. And as far as like the ins and outs of how we were going to run the site and monetize it, there were other sites at the time that we could kind of base off of. We felt like a subscription service was the best way to go. That way the customer can get the most bang for their buck. They get everything on the site if they're subscribed. We do offer like individual ebook sales like I was doing when I was on uh, Twitch and YouTube before Hot Route, but it doesn't feel like the customer's getting as much as they want from it. It's not quite as worth it. So we wanted to do a subscription because we felt like it was best for us making money, but it was also the best for the customer. They can get the most content available to them. So I guess there's a, there's a positive and a negative in there. One, the positive is you get that recurring revenue, I imagine, the monthly and yeah. annual subscription. So you can plan and know what your run rate is and all of that, which is way more important than, you know, way better than the, the uh, peaks and valleys of YouTube income or certainly tournament winnings and things like that. Yeah. But then on the flip side of that, you guys have to create content each year. Yeah. There's no shortage of people online who are they create courses, right? And some of those are really evergreen. How to invest real estate money, you pay $500 for the course and they could sell that for the next decade. Yep. You guys have to keep going back to the well, not only every year, I imagine during certain updates and things like that. Mm -hmm. how, how do you balance the playing and staying competitive, playing as a hobby, right? Running the business side, but then also having to kind of remake the bread every every so often so your audience like wants to keep paying you. Yeah, I mean honestly you hit the nail on the head right there. That's the that's by far the toughest thing cuz like you said the game's going to change every year and so we have to create new content for that. Updates can completely change the game. Like I've released stuff multiple times and then they'll drop an update and it just completely all the videos I recorded, all the write-ups I had, it just doesn't work the same way. So I've kind of had to pivot with that. I mean, we kind of just roll with the punches with it as far as that goes. We try to create as much content as we can. Whenever updates come, we'll, we'll make notes to things like, okay, this isn't gonna work quite the same way. Here's how you can fix it, stuff like that. You have to play the game a lot to stay competitive, to stay at the level, to be able to create the content that people actually want. So it's tough, but what we've done in the past, we've changed it a little bit here and there. We reach out to people that play a lot as well. So like I have a lot of professional friends that still just play competitively. They don't do YouTube, they don't do Twitch. So all their time is spent trying to get better at the game. And what we'll end up doing a lot is I'll pay them for their setups. Their, their different things that they do. I'll practice with that, get really good at that, feel comfortable with that almost to the point where it feels like it's my own. I know exactly the ins and outs of it. And then I'll make the content on that. So if I don't have time to play 10 hours of a day, they can come up with the scheme for me. My background and my expertise of playing the game so much, I can pick that stuff like 
up really, really quickly. If you tell me a scheme, I'll understand it. I'll understand why it works very quickly. I'll get comfortable with it. And then I feel comfortable releasing an ebook for someone to use as if it was my own. How long, I mean, these ebooks are pretty in depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, just going through one earlier, I believe it's like a dozen videos along with, you know, a serious walkthrough of text and directions. Yep. How long can one of these ebooks take you to build out? So I, something I actually struggle with is how long to make those write-ups. I've gone and gone back and forth with super detail. Uh, that's probably one of the ones you're reading now is a lot of detail to a lot less detail and just putting it all in the video. If I'm doing a lot of write-up, then it probably takes me longer. But I would say it would probably take me about 24 hours of time. It can kind of range just because sometimes when you're recording the videos too, they just don't come out the right way. The, the variability in the game can cause it to come out a little bit tough. But yeah, I would say about a strong 30 hours um, into each ebook for me. But yeah, that the write-up in the video is something I've really struggled with. This next one, I'm actually coming out with one next week is gonna be less write-up, more video focused. Cause I also, you don't want it to be so in depth that it's over the heads of the people that are buying it, right? Like that's almost pointless. Um, Cause they want, what they want is they wanna take the work away from them of, cause they can't play as many hours as they may want. They want the quick, okay, this is how you can be good really quickly. So if I'm giving them a ton of write-ups that's gonna require them to do a ton of reading, ton of studying, that's almost besides the point. Like that's almost a waste of their time. So that's something I've definitely tried to balance with. What's the record for time that you put into something and then all of a sudden, you know, Madden nerfs, you know, that scheme that you build out to the customers? I don't know about a record time. I mean, I did our first defensive ebook of the year. I did put a ton of time into uh, this year is really tough on defense. That's something people really wanted because it, it was really hard to get stops this year. So that's something it took me a while to release it. I didn't release it for like the first couple months of the game because I just didn't want to, I didn't want to release a product that wasn't very good. Um, and people were struggling to find defense. I finally felt like I had something good. And I think within two weeks, there was a change to it. Now it wasn't, it wasn't completely like nerfed or anything. People are actually still using it now. And this was released back in like October. So it's still good, but they changed it. And I was pretty frustrated with that because that was a lot of video, a lot of time. And uh, I had to, what I ended up doing was just making like some notes at it because I think it was something that didn't require a video and they could understand it just for some notes. But that one was a little tough. Yeah, bet. Talk about the variability. You mentioned that because I guess a video, if you're you're creating a product to help people get really good at something, right? And video mm-hmm. games are something where you can kind of get rid of, I imagine, more of the variability than you could in real life. Like it's not a completely random set of events. There's games are programmed in a certain way. And I'm guessing that a lot of what you guys do is like pick up on the way, you know, certain schemes are programmed and they're going to react predictably most of the time, but then there's those variables where someone's playing in a game and they're going to run something that you suggested in a certain situation and it's going to backfire. Do you hear from your audience? Like if, Hey, I implemented something you guys did and this didn't work. Like what is that given? And then just in general, like when it does work, what is the give and take like from your broader audience and your subscribers when they're, they're paying for something they expect to be a certain way. And then either they're doing great with it or worst case, like they're not like, how do you handle that? Yeah, so I would say the number one thing that we actually see is um, if people aren't having success with it, they're probably not doing exactly what we've said. Like they're missing out on something. Like there's a- the customer like, is wrong. I like it. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> User the, error. it's tough because there's so many different elements to it. And this kind of goes in part with like how much detail I put in the ebook. So like there's a new thing in Madden that came out a couple of years ago called abilities. And especially defensively, like an, a defense could work if you had the right abilities. 
but if you have the complete wrong abilities, it might be terrible. It makes that much difference. It's like way more important than any attributes your players may have other than maybe speed. So like an example would be, I had a customer, there's an ability called one step ahead, which basically it makes your man coverage really, really good. And the scheme that I released was a man coverage scheme. And they were running and I'm pretty sure without any one step ahead players on their team. And I asked them to have three minimum or at least two actually. So two minimum. And it just isn't going to work without it. And like I said, are you using these, these abilities? And I wrote them out for him and he said, Oh no, I wasn't. I'll, I'll give him a try. And he came back and he's like, Oh, it's working so much better. So like, that's a good example of like what we kind of see a lot of the time. Now, the best one's probably block shed time. So like if you have three or four guys rushing the passer, sometimes you might get 10 seconds in the pocket. Sometimes you might get two. So if you're, if I'm showing someone how to run a deep, like a deep post, that's going to get me 30 plus yards. If you only get two seconds in the pocket, you're going to have to throw it to somebody else or roll out, get the ball away. And if like the customer's not doing that or they're just struggling to get time in the pocket like they need to, well, then it's probably not going to work the exact way that I'm showing it to you. So that that's probably the main thing that's that we run into that's tough is there's sometimes it's not going to work exactly how I show it to you in practice mode because you might not get that amount of time in the pocket. Ken, I get the impression that your audience or the people that are buying on Hot Route Tips is probably something that most companies would not have to experience. I mean, your age group, from young kids to older adults, mm -hmm. I mean, most businesses, it's like, hey, you know, we have, a, we have a demo that we go for and it works, right? And they know what to expect. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you probably get emails like you described, that kind of communication. And then you may get something like, hey, my son used my credit card to buy, you know, a membership to your site, right? Yep. Like, it's got to yep. be all over the place, right? Yes, 100%. We've had multiple run-ins where people are like, yeah, my kid shouldn't have purchased this. They've ran it for 10 months. <laughs> and uh, so we, we run into young kids that have done that. And yeah, we get adults too. So yeah, I mean, our demographic really is just anyone who loves Madden. It, it doesn't matter what age. Um, so it, it definitely ranges from, from young to old. Talk about that for a sec, because what you were just saying about getting the email about the game itself, and then you, you know, it's, they're all customer service emails, basically, mm -hmm. right? How do you, how much of your time as your audience scales, you run into the, that sort of email, you can almost outsource customer service to, hey, wrong credit card number, can't access my file, because those are, you know, like standardized things. But when someone's saying, hey, the product doesn't work, there's only a small handful of people on earth who can actually answer the question adequately, mm. someone who really knows the ins and outs of the game. So how do you scale your own ability to handle those customer service questions? And as you guys grow the business, like, do you have anybody helping you on that side? Is it just the two of you guys? Talk about like the business side of it, you know, from the content standpoint, it's three of you, I guess, right? Or you have a third on the website. I forget is the... The third one is an affiliate. So he's a YouTuber, not a competitive player or anything. He doesn't create any of the content, but he does like... Uh, promote the website and he gets like a cut of people he brings in. Got it. Okay. So it's two of you guys creating all the content and the expertise. Mm -hmm. Do you have anybody else working on the business side, particularly in customer service? Yeah. So our first hire actually was someone to take care of the emails because we tried <laughs> to do it ourselves the first year. Honestly, was a nightmare. I mean, it was my least favorite thing to do. We would let it back up a couple of weeks because when we're, there's just emails flooding in. It was also our, our launch year. So there's obviously going to be hiccups with just stuff with the site and everything like going through it. So not only were we getting customer service about like stuff like people took my credit card, I meant to cancel, didn't cancel, stuff like that. We're also having issues like with the site, just small issues. And then we get the questions about like the schemes working and all that. So our first thing that we definitely did was we went and got someone to take care of the emails that 
weren't Madden related, right? Like anything customer service based. Madden stuff, the person that does the emails will usually reach out to one of us to answer it, to say, hey, we got an email about this. And the other thing is we didn't have this originally, but we added our Twitters right below the contact, the contact us. We have a contact us button where you can send an email, but we said, if you wanna reach us immediately, reach out to us on Twitter. It's a lot easier for us to just DM it back to you. So most of the Madden questions actually have started coming through Twitter. We rarely get them in the email anymore. So that helped. But if we ever do, she'll just say to one of us, hey, I don't want to answer this question. So can you guys take care of it? And that doesn't happen all too often anymore, which, which is lucky. <laughs> what about seasonality, Kent? Like I, the game comes out end of August, I believe now. Is, is, that the, is that the peak for new members coming in and then it just rides out through the Super Bowl? And then after the Super Bowl, it's like, hey, it's kind of like the off season. Is there a seasonality? And if there is, you know, how does that uh, play out during the, uh, the season or the year? So there's definitely seasonality. I would say the first one is like right when the game drops, we'll, we'll get a spike. Now, obviously, right when the game drops, we don't have any content yet. So it's not our biggest spike. Uh, the next spike would be whenever we drop our first ebook, whether it's offense or defense, we'll get a spike then. And we're not really like, we don't really push it on our YouTubes. I haven't been posting as much, but Throne, like he's not going to say, hey, come sub to the website when we have nothing to offer. So that's when he really starts plugging right at that, that first release. And then we get a nice big spike at Christmas. I guess people are getting the game at Christmas time. And then I, yeah, I would say like it's pretty, it's pretty steady through the Super Bowl. Then we see a little bit of a drop off and it's still solid probably through, through May. And then June and July are our driest months. And then right when the game drops again, we kind of start the cycle back over. But it's we expect it to be a little bit more of a dry period, honestly, than we have seen these last few years. Like it's lasted through like that April, May months that we just didn't honestly expect before. So it, we've been happy with it. Do you think the pandemic helped with that, especially in 2020 where people are just home and, you know, April, May of that year was, you know, was, I imagine video game eyeballs were up across the board for everyone in the space. Yeah, I think it helped some. I honestly thought we might see a bigger spike than I think we did. I think it helps some. I mean, people, yeah, just people just having nothing else to do other than play video games was, was pretty helpful. But I think also for some people, money was just tight too. So that might make it like a little bit counterproductive. But I feel like there was a little bit of a spike, but nothing, not more, not as much as we would have expected. It was an odd time too. So many, you know, kids and people are home. They're on their screens already for school. I'm sure it was, you know, to your point, like one would think one thing would happen, but there's those characteristics of the day that can dictate something else. But I mean, the, the one thing for me, I mean, it wasn't Madden, but just seeing, I think, you know, Barstool, a big cat at Barstool was playing like college football. He's like NCAA 14 on Twitch. I believe at one point he had mm -hmm. like over 700,000 people watching him play like his dynasty mode championship. Wow. Yeah, I remember just thinking to myself, like, wow, that that's insane that this is where we are in the middle of COVID and look at this insane focus on, on video games. Yeah, so, yeah, right, it was. Right. And that, that was an awesome Thank game, Thank God too. it's coming back, and I guess it's about <laughs> one more year. Yeah, that's exciting. Talk about the, the growth of the gaming industry in general over the last decade and then the last few years, and it's now become, uh, you know, it's much more than a hobby and a business for people who are creators, but there is, there is money flowing into the space. Mm -hmm. Just talk about that from your seat in it. Like, what has that been like to kind of be a part of? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. The, I'd say the craziest thing and the best example of it would be my parents, because like when I'm first starting out on this stuff and I'm able to make some money, I'm explaining it to them. They don't get it. Like, they're like, what, what do you mean you're making money doing like playing video games? Like, that's not, that's not something we ever did. So it, that's probably the best example of it is we were like, 
able to do something that's been just something that's been fun and a hobby for however many years and then twitch comes out and and twitch makes everyone's enjoying watching people play and then youtube gaming is just like such a big thing now and it, that's probably the, yeah that's probably the biggest thing is just helping show like now my parents like completely understand it and when i explain to people like what i do for my job it's not as like outlandish and weird sounding as it probably would have been five to ten years ago so it's just people are becoming more comfortable with it and everything is just developing like twitch is twitch is still young and it's continuously changing and growing and and youtube's been around for a while but the gaming part of it is really growing as well and you just see you see different ways of monetizing all the time like from the time we came out with our madden site on hot route i think there's probably three or four more sites that even since then that have been that people have came out with so it's it's growing every day I love the parent test. Jason and I always talk about like the dad or the uncle test. I started a sports blog 12 years ago. And when I wanted to quit my job, my dad was like, I don't understand how more eyeballs mm -hmm. turns into dollars on the internet. Like, I, trust me, it does. Right. And like, you kind of got to get, get them across that threshold. But once the parent or the uncle gets it, like it's reached Definitely. some Definitely. level of critical mass. YouTube and Twitch are two huge platforms, to say the least. If you're able to put out good content and get it in front of the right eyeballs, you guys can kind of leverage that mm. to grow and then promote your products. Do you guys market uh, not, in any I mean, other not ways? Not really. I mean, we'll post on Twitter and stuff, but it's really all social media stuff from ourselves. We don't pay for any advertising or really anything like that. And it's really the perfect scenario because people who watch us on YouTube some of them will probably watch just for entertainment, but a lot of them are watching so that they can get better. They're seeing how we play. They're seeing the adjustments that we're making. And then to take the people that are already coming to watch you to try to get better and then pushing them to a product that's going to help them to get better. It couldn't be any more perfect. Like you see lots of people on YouTube that push stuff that not, isn't necessarily completely with their audience. Now it probably applies to some, but like it's rare that you see where the audience is almost 100% applicable to what you're to what you're pushing. So it works out perfectly. Let's dive into that a little bit because how did you stumble across Hot Route Tips? And he's he, says, he just saw a video of, of you were thrown and you know was going through it and he heard you guys mention the site and he's like I, I, yeah, I, want, I want to go check this out. But I mean I can't tell you how many times because we were sharing like a, you know a YouTube account for years that I would come across and I'm like, oh my God, like some of these people are almost like charlatans in a way. They're yelling, they're screaming. Like the first 45 seconds of the gameplay video is them plugging something, mm -hmm. you know? And I would look at my son, I'm like, how are you listening to that? Like that, that's unbelievably annoying. And you know, it didn't matter to him and you know, different generations, they just, you know, they, they zone through it and get where they have to get to. Do you have a standard? Is there, what do you think the audience is looking for? And what do you think they recognize maybe from you and Throne on your videos that leads them to go, you know what? Yeah, I'm going there. I mean, outside of like your public tournament performance, there has to be another aspect of like integrity and feeling like this is whom I want to follow. Yeah, no, I think it's just, I mean, trying to be as likable as possible is for one. I mean, just trying to be entertaining. I think that just being entertaining just helps bring them to you, right? Like you kind of want to root for them. You want them to do well. I mean, doing well in the tournaments, like you mentioned, doing well in Weekend League where they can see your gamer tag, like, you can't you can't lie that right like they can see your name right there you can see you got 23 wins that's something your record and mud head to head but also the gameplay itself so like oftentimes when i was plugging it i would strategically plug it right at a point where like say i just released a defensive ebook and i have a blitz that comes in free that's really really good really really fast and as soon as i see the blitz come in there in the video right we get a sack boom i'm plugging it right then i'm like if you want to have a blitz like that come over to hot route tips and you can be doing the same thing 
So like plugging in at those points is really important as well. Other things that like really worked well was the first second of the video, if I, if I had just released something, maybe I'm putting a couple clips at the beginning of the blitz coming in and just saying like, hey, this I just released this ebook, here's the blitz. If you wanna see that, like come right through because you can skip through stuff in the middle. The first second, if you see that, like you'll probably stick around and be like, oh, that's it. that's interesting. So just the strategic placement within the video is I think the biggest thing in helping push the customers there. Without going into the the mix you know, or the dollar amounts, what does the mix look like for, for you guys individually? I know you have different followings, but in terms of like monetizing the actual accounts and the views you're getting on the accounts, maybe some of the you know, Madden winnings, but then the business side of hot route tips. Is it mostly oh, um, yeah, the subscriptions now? Yeah, 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 for sure. Early on, it was the competitive stuff. But as we grew hot route, like I even stopped competing mostly just because it's almost a waste of time. Because if you like, if you do well, great, like that's, that's awesome. But for every time you do well, there's gonna be five times where you where you fall short and you don't make anything. I'm like, I just spent all that time when I could have just been making content for the site or making YouTube videos and stuff like that. And I was actually just telling someone earlier today, like YouTube ad revenue is cool. Like you make money off it, like it's helpful, but it's nothing compared to the audience that you're actually plugging to your site. Like that's, it's night and day. Like just YouTube revenue wouldn't be enough to, to make it a career, at least at the, the size that I'm at. And to be able to plug it to Hot Route makes it very nice viable career. So it changes everything. At what point into Hot Route did you know, like, hey, this is going to work? Like, did you go from this is side income, like maybe YouTube is, to, hey, this is a sustainable career? And then the other, the other side of that coin is, was there a moment where you thought it was going to fail or wasn't going to work or it's not sustainable? Honestly, the first month, the first month we kind of crushed it and we were like, wow, like this is something different. Now, it happened to coincide with Thrones blow up on YouTube. Our very first month of Hot Route, he had a video go over a million views. And I don't think he had had one over 150K maybe before that. So he literally, he, he matched up with the number one ranked guy in Mutt the very first like week of the game. It was a crazy game that came down to the last second and it got over a million views. And I'm pretty sure he had plugged Hot Route on it. And that helped it go crazy the first month. Now we did have a hiccup on, on the site a little bit the second month, which was just an issue with ourselves and our recurring revenue. So that was a little bit of a setback, but we we bounced back the next month pretty well. And honestly, since then, we've been pretty strong on knowing it's a successful business plan and we haven't really lost any confidence in it. Now there's things that we want to change and be better at, of course, but as far as the success of it, we, yeah, we haven't really doubted it since that first month. Uh, it's not really a great story for the like uh, for the podcast or anything, no ups and downs, but. Well, what was the blip? What was the blip? The blip stands out. Well, it was, so our recurring just didn't go through properly. People that uh, were supposed to recur, none of them did. So basically That's we had to blip. resell the people. <laughs> the problem. Yeah, so we had to resell the people that were supposed to already have been there, right? Yeah. Basically selling the product twice to them. But, but uh, yeah, outside of that, that was the only blip. It was fixed the next month and, and we were good to go. So was Throne, was that game on live streaming on Twitch or like, I, I imagine, are, are you guys always recording your matchups because you're not sure so, who you're going to get matched up against in weekendly? Because that obviously becomes, you know, truly something to be, to utilize. Yeah. So it's actually a really interesting story. I'm glad you asked. I forgot this is how he got the game. So we weren't recording. He wasn't recording. We were just in a discord party, uh, just talking with each other. It was late at night, probably midnight, 1am, something like just playing online. And he matches up with the number one player who we know we're actually kind of friends with them. So, and we were like, Oh, this is gonna be a good game. And he, uh, 
I think he started out down like 14 nothing. Still not recording. He's, I think he quickly ties it up at 14. Somehow, like, quick score, maybe like in like a turnover score. He ties it up. I was like, dude, you should be recording this game. So he uses the feature on, on his Xbox to record, like, whatever the last five minutes or whatever. Gets it back to the beginning of the game. Turns on his recording. Records the rest of it. It ended up being the most unbelievable game. And then I guess he finished the game, like, 1 a.m. He posts. We don't usually post commentary, but he did, like, a fake live commentary post-com for it. Did that, edited till like 8 a.m. the next day, stayed up all night, and uh, and then dropped it the next day, and it went crazy. So if he hadn't recorded that game, I don't know. He, I mean, he's a great YouTuber, so he probably would have blown up somewhere else, but who knows if it would have been later that year or the next year or what, because, I mean, YouTube just is crazy how it works, but he was able to get that game, and the rest is history. All credit goes to you for recommending to record it, right? <laughs> <laughs> he definitely said thanks. Uh, I, I, tried, I mean, he had to win the game. It had to be an exciting one, but... But no, I'm definitely glad I told him to record it for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Talk, you, you just hit on something. So the game was at midnight, right? 1 a.m. You know, something big happens and you attack the moment. He does it overnight, working through 8 a.m. the next day. This is a time-intensive, you know, space you guys are in. Talk about the work-life balance, right? And you're young. You're in your 20s. Like, this, you can do this. You, you just mentioned before we got on, you got a, a puppy or two, right? Yeah. But, like, how do you balance, like... You know the real world outside of this, and I, and I don't say that to be to be glib. Like we're guys who were the two of us were bloggers and SEO guys for a decade, so we spent more than our share in front of a laptop. Mm -hmm. But how do you do it now? And then in the future, like do you, how do you think about like hey, you know, like I'm married, have kids someday? Like what is how do you try and plan for that too? To be honest, at first it was crazy. I mean, I was on insane hours. Like I was on. So I was actually when we first started Hot Route, I had one semester left of school for my graduate degree. I wanted to get that because I was so close. So I was going to grad school. I was actually living with my brother and his wife now. But I was staying up. So he, he's a basketball coach, which I actually am coaching basketball now too. But he was a basketball coach and they would go on crazy road trips. He'd come back at like 6 a.m., 7 a.m. I'd still be up, hadn't gone to sleep yet, whether editing the video or doing stuff for Hot Route or just playing, trying to get better. And like, so I was staying up till 6 a.m., sleeping till like 11 and then grinding the rest of that day, waking up, going straight to my computer. It was honestly unhealthy. I did it for about a year and a half, two years like that, that hard and stressful. And it, it definitely helped. My YouTube was going like really, really, really well. I've taken like a slighter step back from, I just, I can't do it anymore. I, I got married. I put in the hours to be really good at the game. I put in the hours on Hot Route. I haven't been doing as much on YouTube. I've started to get back into Twitch now, but uh, I, it just wasn't a, a healthy pace at what I was going and it was unsustainable. But if I hadn't, I don't regret doing it for sure, because if I hadn't, I don't think I would have gotten to the point that, I, that I'm at now where I can kind of take the step back and still, still have a lot of success with it and still have it be my career. But it, it was rough for sure, because I'm balancing school with all that stuff and it, it wasn't easy. Yeah, being an assistant coach now at a Division One basketball program too, I mean, that's, I'm sure that's pretty intense as well. Yeah, it wasn't the easiest year either doing that because we had a lot of travel and stuff, but the ability, kind of how I talked about earlier, to if I, so I played the game a lot before the season started, like a ton, August, September, October, but those months in between from like November to, to even like March, like those four months, I'm reaching my competitive Madden friends who are locked in still, and like they're flying me in the stuff that I need to know. I'm playing with it enough to be really good with it still, or good enough to that I could re give content, probably not at the level that I want to be at or that I'm used to being at, but still good enough to definitely help like get people to where they want to be in weekend league and give the content that they're looking for on the site. And that was really what my goal was. Like I never want to cheat my customer and give them something that 
isn't what they're looking for, isn't good enough. So that's where the balance came in was reaching out to friends more than it just being my own stuff and, and just paying them for it and then kind of turning it into my own with my own practice with it. Are you still coaching or are you, or is it, are you all, all this? Now? Still coaching. Uh, so basketball is still a passion of mine and I had missed it. When I was, so when I was doing all those hours on Madden, like I'm, I'm on a computer in a room by myself 18 hours a day and I enjoy interacting with people. So to be honest, it was a little bit depressing. Like I, I suffer from a little bit of depression because I'm just in that room and like I have my lights for when I'm recording on me, but behind me has got to be like dark. I can't have like on a light, bunch of lights on. So it's a little bit gloomy if I'm in there all day. And it just, I did it for about as long as I could and I couldn't take it anymore. I had to interact with people. And I, I don't want to like downside, like I don't want to make it look, seem like it's a bad job or anything because it's great. But like the downside of it is you just, you're not interacting with anybody. And that's pretty much all day, every day. And that gets a little old. It's a great catch. Cause I mean, anyone who starts any business to really be successful, you have to go, there's a time where you have to go mm -hmm. all in. Right. And it might not be forever, but you, there's a, there's something you got to get through. You got to get off the ground and get enough. I always feel like it's you, you get enough traction to keep moving and then you can kind of like take your foot off the gas a little bit. But getting that traction mm -hmm. is really tough. You yeah. can't stop like stomping your foot on the gas. But it sounds like you came to that conclusion quickly, which is probably good in the, the video game space, because to your point, like to do it really well requires like you just be sitting alone in a room for mm -hmm. most of the time. If anything, you know, chatting with somebody else. And that's about the extent of it. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean. I would say like, it's exactly what you said. You have to do something to get the ball rolling. And once you get the ball rolling to a certain point, you could take that step back. And like the biggest thing for me, the one weekend where I really took off, where my YouTube really hit, because we already talked about Thrones, was I was going on a way, I was going to visit a friend at college. I had happened to play at a popular YouTuber uh, for his channel like three days before that. And then he was going to release the video so I was like, I have to edit this video too, cause I was recording it as well. I have to get this video done before I leave. And so like, I got no sleep before the day I had to travel. I was up super late and uh, I got the video done and then we're driving down to visit my friends and we both released the video at the same time cause we can schedule it. And his video went off and he had plugged me and then my video went off. So like by the time I finished the trip, my YouTube had been going through the roof and it was, it was pretty awesome. And like from that point on, it was really like steady growth. And then I had a, a couple other really big videos that helped me take off later on in the year. But that was the point where I was like, all right, my YouTube's made it. Like I'm, I'm at the point where I need to be. And I, I kept grinding hard for like the next year or so of putting in like those crazy hours. But that was where the point where everything kind of changed. You're certainly not alone in the needing people interaction. I worked from home for about a decade before Kyle and I partnered up about four years ago. And when the opportunity had come in front of us, I mentioned it to my wife at dinner one night and she just looked at me and she's like, you know, you need to go work in an office with someone and have interaction. She's like, no offense, you're getting a little weird. Like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just time. And, and now after yeah. working with Kyle, I'm even more weird than ever, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it all, it happens. It happens to all of us. No, definitely, man. I, I, uh, I, cause it's, I mean, I've, I've played basketball my whole life, so I've been with the team and I'm going from that to being like, I'm waking up, I'll eat breakfast. If not, maybe just like a protein shake and bring it in with me. And I'm working for 10 straight hours and I'm not talking to a single other person until maybe the nighttime until it's 10 o'clock at night. And it's just like, I just got tired of it. it <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I don't blame you. It's great that you have in that you have built in that like almost forced interaction, right? You enjoy it, obviously, but either playing or coaching basketball, like 
at a certain time you have a, you have a clock where you get, you got to be there and be, be with other people and, and spend a, a whole lot of time with them. So that's gotta be helpful too. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, and it's helped my schedule, like my actual schedule, because when I was just doing hot route, like nothing else, just doing YouTube hot route, all that, like my schedule, just like I go to bed when I wanted to and I'll work, like work super late and then wake up whenever I wanted to. Whereas now I have to be at practice by a certain time. So that means my hot route, my Madden, all that stuff, that work needs to be done by whatever time I need to go to bed. Because if I'm waking up at 6 a.m., I can't be working till 4 a.m. I have to get my work done. And it kind of helped me. My wife definitely appreciates it because I'm not on those insane hours anymore. But uh, yeah, now that, that's helped me with my scheduling. Speaking of sitting in a dark room, for people who aren't watching this, my automatic dimmer just went off and I was suddenly in the dark. <laughs> you look much better. Uh, <laughs> in the dark. Yeah, no, these lights are terrible. It's, they're better in the office. How do you how do you think about growing? Obviously, anyone who's, who's running a business, you, you always want to push and, and get a little bit bigger and get a little bit bigger. But because of all the things we just talked about, that comes with a, a time commitment and a, a work-life commitment. Do you think about bringing in other people, different channels, just doing the same amount of content, but reaching more people through more traditional marketing? Like what's next for you guys? Yeah, so the, the biggest thing right now for our growth, honestly, for what our model is, is growing on YouTube. So whether it's me, whether it's Throne, Twitch, YouTube, growing our audience automatically grows the people that we're trying to advertise to. Now, past that, I honestly thought we might see a bigger spike than I think we did. I think it helps some. I mean, people, yeah, just people just having nothing else to do other than play video games was pretty helpful. But I think also for some people, money was just tight too. So that might make it like a little bit counterproductive. But I feel like there was a little bit of a spike, but nothing, not more, not as much as we would have expected. I've really thought about going into future years as having other people making content because it just, it can be monotonous probably for the customer to only hear from us too our own perspective. So hiring professionals that, that play the game to actually record their stuff. So kind of cutting out that middleman where they show me the scheme. I run it for a while, learn it, release it, just going straight to them. Hey, do you want to release this? Now the catch with that is finding people that are, cause it's not their business. They're not going to take it as serious as we do. So people that are actually going to create content that is worth watching, worth it for the customer, actually that are just actually going to do it. You know, like, cause they'll, they'll just put you off. Um, like, ah, I'll do it next week. I'll do it the next week. And then all of a sudden we have three months where we, we didn't even really like release anything. So then, like that can be tough, but that's the biggest thing of growth. I think that I've thought about is bringing in other people so we can get more good content on the site and save us work on that end. Right. Cause like I said, the way that we can actually grow our customer base is growing on Twitch and YouTube. So if I don't have to worry about making all the content on hot route, that's more time I can put into growing on YouTube and Twitch and growing the customer base. So those are probably the two things that are the biggest for us. Now, Ken, I haven't heard TikTok yet. So is that, <laughs> is, is it like, Hey, you know, it's something we really haven't got into or yeah, yeah, of course TikTok works. You know, we just, just not a top, not top of mind. Yeah. So I think, I think Throne actually has a TikTok. That's a good point. Cause those things can go like super viral. I mean, if we just have like a five second plug at the end, like, Hey, come over to high route tips is actually a good thing to do. Now I haven't came out with TikTok yet, but I've definitely thought about it just because, so YouTube came out with YouTube shorts, I think like a year, year and a half ago. And you could literally create the same video for a YouTube short under 60 seconds and release it over on a TikTok, no extra work. Yep. So that's something I actually really, really want to do. And uh, I think that would be good for us to be able to plug the site on that as well. And that's another customer base that 
maybe we don't have that following on YouTube that we actually could get on TikTok and, and help grow it as well. Yeah, I, I have a background in sports blogging and I hit a point about four years in where I was doing almost all the content with like one other person chipping in and we would get, I guess, similar to video games, like sports are, are passion for mm -hmm. people and there's a lot of people who want to write about sports and they're happy to do it for free. But it's like, unless you're paying someone or like a good rate on a consistent basis, the reliability, like you just can't count on it. It's nice to have it, but you just can't count on it. So it's, it, I see a lot of similarities there. And I know like once we hired our first full-time content person, it really changed the game because then we could focus on those things like growing the audience, you know, not just spending all day doing the content, but like growing the business part of it and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Definitely. So in terms of growth, like have you thought about bringing on like other YouTubers as affiliates? I know you, you guys said you have one who's listed on the website, but have you thought about opening this up to, I imagine there's a very long tail of people who are playing Madden and creating Madden content on YouTube. And maybe some of them are getting 500 views, a thousand, 5,000 views. But like if you total them all up and they were all mentioning, Hey, I learned this from hot route tips. You know, have you guys thought about that? Yeah, definitely. So there was actually one guy that we really, really want as an affiliate. He fit perfectly with us with the same, like that competitive player fan base. Another website actually beat us out for him. So, but yeah, we, that's definitely something we thought about. Now we want to make sure we're picking the right people that are, that have like a similar audience. Cause like there's people that will watch Madden YouTubers just for like their entertainment, their fun, but they're like the actual YouTuber isn't a great player. And they don't really care about that. So it's almost a waste for us to to get someone to plug the website for an audience that just doesn't care about getting better, right? So we need to pick the right people. And then also the other thing is that there's already so many that are already affiliated with their own sites, whether it's they have started in the last few years since we've started, whether they're making their own content or they've just gotten, we've just gotten beaten out by other sites. So something we've definitely wanted to do, but just haven't really find, found the right person outside of the one main affiliate we already have. Ken, have you and Throne been approached by you know, people who want to potentially acquire the business or who want to invest in the business and see that growth opportunity saying like, hey, you know, bringing in those extra people, but hey, why don't we build, you know, build in a production team to take all of that off your hands and the new, the new talent's hands and getting things out and growing it in that way? Have you ever been approached in, in that sense? No, not yet. But if we, I mean, if we got approached by the right person with the right with, with good ideas, then we definitely be open to it just because anything that can take like the stuff off our plate that we don't necessarily enjoy and allow us to focus on the stuff that actually matters, whether it's making content on Hot Route or making content on YouTube and Twitch, that's something we're definitely interested in, which is why we were so quick to hire someone to take care of our emails because I'm like, I'm spending three hours answering emails and they're all the same question like that are just super easy answers. And I, I'm just having to go through them and answer it. And that and you have to do it in a professional manner. <laughs> so yeah, so anything that can take our time away from it. So if we, if we got approached by the people with the right ideas, we'd be definitely open to it. So you mentioned like all the stuff that, uh, you know, content folks don't want to do besides just customer service. There's like bookkeeping and mm -hmm. things like that. Do you guys outsource that? Do you do it? How, how's that process been? So I had been doing it since we started um, until this past tax season. I actually hired somebody because... The taxes just got, they just got out of control. And I'm like, all right, I'm done doing this myself. Um, now I still do some of the bookkeeping stuff. Like I, I'm the one who pays out the affiliates and does payouts and stuff like that. But that, that's, that's relatively easy. It's just really just hitting a few buttons most of the time. But, but yeah, the taxes, I had to, I had to start outsourcing that this year because it just got too difficult and too complicated. And 
I don't even know if I'm saving as much money as we can. And actually we could have been saving more. So I'm glad that I hired them because they gave us a couple of tips that we could be doing. So, so that was helpful. What's the total team look like? You said you got a CS person, you outsource some tax help and then it's the two of you guys at it. Yep. That's it. So it's me and Throne. We have one person who does our, our customer service and then we have, we just hired the accounting firm that does our taxes. So, so what's the tool or service you guys, um, can't do what you do without and maybe not madden or video game specific but to run the content piece or to run the business piece um someone else might be able to take away as like hey i, I would like to check that out yeah we're the editing piece yeah yeah i mean i would say like our editing software is huge i mean we we both use um sony vegas which is so like vegas pro which is actually not the most common one that people use um, a lot of people use adobe premiere or final cut but we both use Vegas, so editing, being on YouTube, we gotta edit our, our hot route stuff. All that stuff comes down to our editor, that's, that's big. And I guess if you wanna count as part of the team, Throne recently, in the past year and a half, I think hired an editor for his YouTube. So that's just for him. I don't think he edits anything for his hot route stuff, but, but yeah, so that editing software is huge. Photoshop's big. What makes that one so good? Like what makes that better in Premiere? Or is it it's just something you guys have been using and you're used to it? To be honest, Throne was using it. He taught me how to use it, and uh, so I just stuck with it. I've actually looked into and thought about learning other ones because I've hired editors in the past, and they all pretty much use Adobe Premiere. And if there's anything I ever needed fixed or changed or tweaked, I have to tell them they'd have to go in their Premiere and actually fix it themselves. Whereas if I understood Premiere, they could just send me the Premiere file, and I could make any quick tweaks I needed to do. So that's one downside of using it, I suppose. But just really the comfortability with it and how I understand everything I want to do. Uh, if I had the choice, though, I actually would use Final Cut. I don't use a Mac, though. I, I use my PC that I built. Because Final Cut is widely considered the best, I think. You can do the most with it. And it's probably the best one that you could use. So I would probably switch if I had a Mac. If you had to change one thing about the site or the business, what would it be? Well, there's some slight tweaks that we're just going to be making to the to the site and making the making the ebooks more, I'd say easier to like to work through, to function through. Early on, we decided to go with a toggle where you have it all on one page, you, and then each play or setup is basically a toggle. You open the toggle, it's got a video, it's got a picture, it's got words. And I think that a switch that we wanna make is making the ebook a whole page, but each click takes you to a new page for, for that setup. Instead of having it be a toggle, I think that slows down the site a little bit at times, can make it a little clunky. And then if you're reading it on a phone, it can be a little daunting because smaller screen, like when I'm building the, the page for my ebook, I have a big monitor for my computer, it's fine. But if I'm reading it on my phone, it looks like a lot of words. It can be a little distracting. So I think making it, instead of one page with toggles, making it pages that takes you to a full page per setup. Is there a software you guys use for that is, or, or one that's out there? I imagine there's gotta be some sort of like standardized ebook tool to, to pull all that in and it's mobile friendly. Our web developer, when, the, when he built it, he made it pretty simple for us that we don't have to do anything with coding whatsoever. It's almost like we're, we're in Photoshop for as we are building it. And he like, he put together a template page for us to use how we wanted it. And now every time we come up with an ebook, we can basically just plug in our information to the template, make any changes, delete where we don't need, copy and paste, print like. So he made it really simple for us in a way like kind of like Photoshop, which was made sense to us because we're so familiar with Photoshop doing thumbnails and stuff like that. So not really a software we just use. It's called a DV builder, I think. Oh, WordPress. Yeah, inside of WordPress. Yeah. 
that's all we really do with it. And it, it's pretty simple for us. We just, we can build it based on how the page looks right in front of us. I love pepper and our guests. So it's just, it, I always tell Kyle, Kent, like I, I had my head just down for 15 years in daily fantasy sports and then reg regulated sports betting. And I'm just fascinated to hear all the success stories, like especially yours, just and how everybody's done amazing in all these other verticals. It's just, uh, it's just like a joy to sit down and listen to this. So I appreciate it. It's awesome. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was cool to go back through stuff, remembering stuff that I didn't even remember myself, <laughs> like the, the throne story where he blew up off his video is an awesome story. And I, I completely forgotten about it. So Kent, tell our audience where they can find you. Plug away the website, social handles, Twitch, go for it. Yeah. So our website is hotroute.tips. My Twitter is K underscore AUS23. YouTube, you can just type in K-AUS. I should pop up. Those are my, oh yeah, Twitch. Also K underscore AUS23. So the same as the Twitter. And if you go to my Twitter, I got all my links on there. Hot Route, Twitch, YouTube, all that stuff. So I appreciate you guys. Kent, thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck growing the business. Uh, and I guess you got a new release later this summer with, with the new Madden coming out. So I guess you'll be busy in the fall. But thanks so much for joining us. And, and yeah, best of luck. Definitely. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. So that was Kent Oslander, co-founder of Hot Route Tips, K Os on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, I guess, uh, all the platforms. I'll check all the links in the show notes. Jason, what did you think of that? I thought that was fascinating. I'm always fascinated about like the different pockets of, and niches of monetizing uh, your audience. I'm jealous. I'm absolutely jealous because like, you know, we spent years like building out evergreen pages and SEO and you know, here's, here's Kent and, and his business partner Throne. Like, like they've just got like the perfect ingredient of using YouTube and a passion that they have for, you know, for Madden. And obviously, as we heard, some serious time intense commitment. I will say like over the years and watching some of the Madden videos, I obviously appreciated the editing that went into them, but now hearing it from Kent, Oh my lord! Like that—that that is serious, serious business. So it was great. I was—I really, really enjoyed sitting down with him and hearing about hot route tips. Amazingly, how much content, how many games you need to play to get enough footage to have workable footage to talk about. I don't know the exact process of you know how how much is recorded and how much is thrown out, but I imagine there's a lot on the cutting room floor just to be able to get really good usable content. You're basically like recording your existence playing Madden, you know, waiting for the opportunities to to walk through something that you can explain and, and show other people how to do it. It's pretty nuts. One of the things that we keep hearing now in these interviews, which probably isn't surprising, but wasn't like top of mind when we started doing this was this aspect of integrity. Not that we expected people to not have integrity, right? But how important it is to really building that connection with the audience. And I think he really hit on it when my mind immediately went to, oh my God, give your, you know, give a link to everybody who's posting Madden videos on YouTube. They can undoubtedly make more money doing that. But to his point, it's like, yeah, most of the people playing Madden on YouTube suck at Madden. And you don't want to have your brand associated with their, you know, suckitude, <laughs> uh, which is a really, you know, interesting way of thinking about it. And it seems like they choose individual affiliates who they know are at least quality players. That part, to me, really stands out. No, I, I totally agree. I, and I, he was definitely polite about it. I can see how that would, you know, quote, hurt the brand, you know, in, in that in that way. You know, I, we didn't get a chance to get into it, but I do wonder, you know, as technology and everything, you know, continues to improve and the ability to 
have these types of contests and you know mutt level championship uh, you know things for Madden that are easier to enter into and are not in person and they're you know large prize pool kind of things right you know we heard from Kent that he's kind of backed off from the competition circuit because he wants to put that time into hotroute.tips but I love the revisit with him maybe in a year or two when we do see that all of a sudden you know you go on your Xbox or your PlayStation and it's like, oh, enter into, you know, $500,000 Madden tournament this weekend. You know, if all of a sudden, here comes here comes Kent back, you know, because it may not be the prize pool that attracts the person, but it's the ability to have exposure, you know? And so I, I'm excited to see where the industry goes and to see how he and Throne grow their business with Hot Route Tips. It's, uh, it's I'm definitely fascinated to see it. And with my son playing Madden like he does, it's going to be on the forefront of our uh, our TV screen. The growth of video games and esports is not, I know we know it's big and it's a thing, but I, I now really would like to dive into it more and just really understand the intricacies. Because what you hear so much about players becoming professional gamers, which he was, right? And I guess he still can be if he decides to hop into tournaments and really, you know, go around playing these circuits. But almost to me, what I heard there was like, let's liken him. He's a basketball player, so this will be an easy analogy let's liken him to an nba player right and what he has decided think about the economics of video games where it's at right now he has decided that he could be the professional player but he can make less consistent money at least being a professional player than teaching other people how to play so if that was a basketball player be like you know what the bulls contract is cool but i'm better off making you know how to dribble dvds and and hosting clinics and there has to be a point, to, you know, to your point about these Madden tournaments, where it becomes the highest level gamers can get that consistency of income. And it's probably why you're seeing, I know we're here in Philly, the Sixers and all, you know, some other NBA teams own a 2K sports team, right? And they pay these guys, they feed them, they treat them like the regular athletes. And I guess the reason is like, it's risky for some people like this to go out on their own because you can go months without a paycheck, even though you can get a big paycheck in between. So the idea of working for a team, and I think we're starting to see that infrastructure being built up in gaming where it actually requires infrastructure. Imagine if the NBA just required a bunch of guys to get together. And if you didn't make the playoffs, you didn't get paid. Like that wouldn't work. That was a hands-on uh, view, I think, of where we, we you can see where esports is going and, and that conversation had literally nothing to do with esports like it was about his business but man your your brain just directly goes to holy smokes like this is this is pretty insane there's going to be some top level people just living in tournaments national types of things making unbelievable money and by the way you know as we know some of these esport tournaments hosted at Madison Square Garden are bringing in you know super bowl like viewers across the world Imagine all of a sudden, I mean, could we be staring down on a major brand? You know, who knows? Amazon. You know, I mean, it, now that we all stream everything, nothing lives on ABC, CBS, and NBC anymore. You know, could we see on the weekends a massive, massive Madden tournament that is just attracting huge audiences? And if you get to huge audiences, that's where you get the participants who are able to be paid for participate. If you're, if you're reading between the lines on him, like, I can go play six of these things, I win one. And I make zero or effectively nothing, maybe unless you're like top two or three on some of the others. I, I'm sure each each game has a different tournament. But to your point, once it's an entertainment product, and it, it already is, let's be clear about it. But once it reaches that mass scale where it's getting consumer adoption, then people can actually get paid just to just to have their time to participate. The other thing that jumped out to me that he said was he basically, you know, he he threw that aside and went all in on this, right? And I think there's a lot of things in. And it sounds like he keeps the YouTube ad revenue because it, it provides like 
some sort of baseline of income. And I know on, on some of our sites in the past, I've been personally there with programmatic advertising. It wasn't enough to live on and you had to do affiliate and apparel sales, but it was a, it was like a guaranteed small check every month that at least it's like, okay, I know I'm getting this and all the other stuff can go crazy, but our audience is X. But I feel like there comes a time for people who are, have audiences and are, are creating and monetizing, you have to actually leave money on the table with some revenue streams to maximize others. And for us, you know, we, we had a lot of success as affiliates. We eventually just turned off the programmatic ads because they were getting away of the much more lucrative affiliate ads. And it's be interested to see as we go through this, how many people are like, you know what, I get 10% of my money from here, but it's not even worth the headache or the time or the interference. And it stands in the way of the other 90% that I get. We've talked about this before and I'm sure we'll visit it with more guests, but I think we've come to the point with the way we use and view internet content and mobile content. This this visiting a digital property and being hit over the head with ads, it's over. Like it cannot happen anymore. And nobody wants it. The user experience has been completely ruined. I think finally the feedback is working its way up the chain. And probably as this is the exciting part is, is that normally when this happens, you know, technology steps in and we begin to find new ways of doing things and monetizing things. Uh, but I, I agree with you. It's, uh, I, I think we're going to continue to see that. And I think Kent's uh, made a wise decision. Two opportunities. So as, as we talk to people here, I think we both like naturally like to see like, hey, what are, what are the opportunities? So I, I want to hear yours. I, I have two. At the end, I asked him about the ebook software, and it sounds like they had a developer do a WordPress theme with Divi, and it, it's able to kind of spit out, or Divi, I, I actually don't know how you pronounce it, but it's able to spit out something in the form of, of, of an ebook, which I guess is just like something behind a paywall. I know there are, um, there are course plugin softwares you can use now, certainly like actual ebook software, pretty much anything you want that can be monetized. There is a tool for now and I'm willing to bet and you know I'll probably do it right here, like plug in ebook software. It sounds like he could probably make his life easier, not only with the ebooks, but some of the other stuff they do. It sounds like it's a very manual custom process they have. He could probably get some things that scale better and make your life easier, you know, just by using off the shelf stuff. The other one I thought of was when we asked about growing, he immediately went to creating more content. How do I hire someone to create more content? Which I get, like I gave him the example of I've been there. You have to finally like get over the hump to bring somebody else in because more content means more audience. But it's his content is so good and such expert level that I'm willing to bet that the audience of people who would want to pay for that is probably three or four times the number of people who are currently paying for it. And there are marketing channels out there, be it SEO for Madden Tips, um, certainly affiliate, which we talked about, and he wants to preserve that integrity. But people who are actively seeking this information through Google, through paid ads, like paid search intent ads, and just other avenues where there are like really interested, engaged Madden people who would love to see this message. That to me is something where I feel like he could, he could double the, the amount of subscriptions in a year by creating exactly zero content if you had a growth marketer or something like that, especially with recurring revenue, because you can make money, you can break even. If he knows how many people stay on after the first year, you can spend up to that first year or more uh, you know, dollar amount to acquire the person because you know they're going to stick around for two or three years and they become profitable. 
that to me is like the next step if I were sitting on top of that business. I totally agree. I mean, we mentioned TikTok to him on the show, you know, the ability here to run ads at a targeted audience and especially with the performance that he and Throne have had, I definitely think it's worth it. The SEO value of the videos that they're having on YouTube, you know, building out descriptions and link backs to hot route tips and then having an SEO play on the site, certainly something that I think I would be, you know, attacking. But with that being said, you know, it's where you are in the business that you then want to go after that. I think right now they live a good life. They're young, right? I mean, he just got married. He has a puppy. You know, it's funny that, you know, this for them might, I don't want to use the word good enough because that sounds average. I don't use that term average, but like for where they are in their life, I think this is good. You know, if they were our age, 30s, 40s, you know, you begin to look at more of an over an all-encompassing attack mode, you know, and I could see, you know, so it's just where you are, but there's definitely opportunities there that I think they'll grow into and go after. The one I mentioned too on, on there is I'd love to see if they would be interested in that, uh, you know, taking on an investment or potentially acquisition opportunities because hearing how time intense uh, the production is to be able to take that off their plate and then allow their creativity to really go to the next level will be really interesting to see how that could help grow the business as well. Yeah, totally agreed. Totally agreed. That was really interesting. Uh, good. So um, if you're still listening to the show, check out uh, Ken Auslander, hotroute.tips. You can find them all over social. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And go to Monetize Media to find this show and many others and uh, content from these and other episodes as well. Hope you enjoyed the show. See ya. 